So I'm remembering a microaggression the other day. And it was uh, in the mid-90s when I went into one of the top media employment placement agencies in New York City. Armed with my loaded resume, the confidence my college degree was supposed to afford me, and ready to take on the media industry. After a battery of Microsoft Office tests, which I passed with flying colors, I was led into a large room full of cubicles. A white woman approached me, looked at my braided hair and said, we can't send you out on any jobs with your hair like that. It's unprofessional. These are the things you never forget. She expressed a microaggression, a racial microaggression. This isn't the first time, nor would it be the last time experiencing one. So I'm starting here. Let's unpack it. Here we go. I would describe myself as a mother first, then everything else, you know, an educator, an artist, entrepreneur, and a knowledge seeker, right? I'm just here for all of it. And I'm here today with my sister, Tracy Phillips, and um, I'm going to have her introduce herself. Well, hello. Thank you for inviting me first and foremost. And... um, Yes, my name is Tracy Phillips, but I also go by Bliss B. That stands for Black Love is Simply Beautiful. And I do my focus in life as a mother, as a Black woman, as an educator, as a creative, is to do whatever I can, whenever I can, as often as I can, to promote Black love being simply beautiful around the world, especially in any space that I'm in. So that's me in a nutshell. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. That is black is beautiful. Simply beautiful. (laughs) Nothing simple about that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So the topic for this podcast is microaggressions. You know, I mentioned that story right up in the front of the podcast about, you know, going into uh, the agency with my hair, you know, in braids. Now, these are, this is a style I had worn for almost a decade um these braids were so connected to my identity and no one had ever said anything to me about my hair like that before so it was a clear rejection of who i was from someone who obviously judged me according to her standard of professionalism so i had to do a little research on this and um so Daryl Wing Sue is a Columbia University teacher professor, and she calls that particular microaggression a micro insult. And in fact, I've learned that there are many different categories of microaggressions that I may be experiencing unknowingly. So microaggressions are defined as a statement, action, 
or incident regarded as an instance of indirect, subtle, or unintentional discrimination against members of a marginalized group, such as a racial or ethnic minority. That's the book definition. But how do you define for yourself mm -hmm. the term microaggressions? Like, how do you see it? Well, I, when I, you know, just in layman's terms, when I think about a microaggression, I just think about those times when people say things to me that are like underhanded and mm -hmm. they might not realize it. Oh, like, oh my gosh, you're, you speak so well, <laughs> you know, and they don't have to in, in, uh, finish that off with, for a black girl, you know, they don't have yeah, to say that. Yeah, they don't need to say that mm -hmm. part, right? They don't have to say that part at all. Um, at all. Oh, your hair, you know, like my daughter, we're walking in the store and they'll say something mm -hmm. about her hair. Mm -hmm. And oh, her hair is so, oh, this is so different. It's so but unique. You, but you know what? Your daughters have exquisitely beautiful hair. I mean, <laughs> seriously, yeah. Just full, beautiful. They're so gorgeous. But when, you but know, yeah. but it's like when you, and thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you see it, though, you know, when someone says it, and mm -hmm. it just seems out of pocket, like it's the tone, though. It's too, tone. like you, you can feel, you mm -hmm. can feel someone's intentions, and it doesn't come from a place of like admiration. You can feel if it does or if it doesn't. Right. You can feel where it's coming from, and the intention behind what's called microaggressions is what's harmful. I think. Oh, definitely. To us yes. On a daily basis. Definitely. Just, just you know. For me, it's like, I don't know, it's just so many. At a, at a certain point, when do they become macro? Because there's so many. Exactly. There's so many. I mean, just in, in reading a history book and mm -hmm. trying to choose a book for your child. Right. And trying to choose movies mm -hmm. to watch with your family. Right. That include positive images of us. Right. They're so few and far between just because it's made by, for, and about somebody that looks like us. They might have internalized the mm -hmm. microaggressions to the point where they're promoting the it's, ignorance. Exactly. And, the, you know, it's and just, and just it's you just so don't even much. realize it. So I have I um, some examples like when they people ask you, like, where were you born? Oh, you speak English very well or um, you're a credit to your race. Right. You mm -hmm. know, that that's not. You may think, oh, that sounds like a good thing, but what are you saying really with that? Like, you know, or when people They're say their expectations are that our race mm -hmm. doesn't act as decent or whatever they're seeing that's quote unquote good in you. Right. And um, it's not a compliment because that means that your expectation is very, 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 very low. Right. For somebody with my skin color or my hair texture or my heritage. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah. And then people who say they don't see color, it's like, mm -hmm. that's, that is like one of the worst things to. I had that recently at work. Oh. I had that recently. And it was funny because this is a person that I talk to frequently and we have, um, very intellectual conversations. Mm -hmm. And when he said, I don't see color and I returned mm -hmm. with, but then if you don't see color, then you don't really see me. Right. You don't. I said, because the truth is we are different. And right. what's wrong with that? Right. Why would, why, what's wrong with that? Right. 
There's nothing. And then I got silence from a very intelligent person, mm-hmm. but then it was silent. It was right. crickets. Oh. So. Yeah. See, that's, <laughs> and you know, and that stuff, you know, it, in the workplace, you think about it, um, in all different places, like the school environment and, um, how it's just, it's really dangerous, you know, if you're going to sit there and not actually see me and say, well, I, you know, I don't see color. And, and then if you don't say anything about it, it seems like, okay, well, that's okay. And it's really not okay. It's not okay for you not to see me because there's nothing wrong with me. So by you saying, well, I'm not going to, we're not going to address it. We're not going to see it. And and the bigger thing, you know what I think though, too, when you say, I don't see color, it's like you're saying, you're, you're reinstating that white, whiteness, whether that be thought or um, skin color or heritage, is the standard. Mm-hmm. So anything that doesn't deviate from putting white at its center is standard. There's no color right. because there's only one right. You know right. what I mean? It's, it's exactly. Almost like you know, I didn't look at it like central focus. Oh, wow. I didn't even, you know, I didn't even think about that but you know when my children were my girls were taking um uh ballet (laughs) classes and we had to go find some ballet stuff for them yes all right i'm gonna i'm gonna come back i'm gonna talk i want to talk about that all right so let's just take a pause for the cause real quick and then (laughs) and then we'll come back and talk about those type of microaggressions check out obey foundation established in 1998 to provide programs and support individuals and organizations committed to youth and community wellness. Obeyfoundation.org. All right. So, um, yeah, the ballet shoes. When uh, my three daughters were taking ballet class here in, um, at their ballet studio, Mm -hmm. they, you know, everybody has to have the ballet shoes and and the the whole idea with ballet is that you're one line, like from, from fingertip to toe. And so it's supposed to kind of be the same color line. So there's no break in that. Now, if you're brown and you have on a peach shoe, there's a break in the color. So basically you would have to, and this is something that, you know, brown ballet dancers across the world, across the globe have dealt with for so long. Why does it take until now to make ballet shoes in these different hues? And so they, you know, there's a there's a complaint, a general complaint among the people who are making these ballet slippers is that they can't accommodate all the varying shades of brown. Mm, so, wow. yeah, so what happens is um, this becomes what is considered an environmental microaggression. So you don't okay. see... African Americans, um, like you know, running to this art form if they're met with some type of obstacle, it's not welcoming. That's what it is. That's a perfect way to put it. It's not welcoming, and so um, that becomes a barrier, you know. So now they're painting their shoes, you know, because that's not going to hold people back, you know. So we'll we'll adapt. We'll we'll paint the shoes. So what did you guys do when the girls were? Yeah, what did you do? Yeah, so we went to. local ballet shop and they happen to have some darker colors in there because they know that the demographic of our area needs Mm. that and so they had they had the colors to accommodate um yeah and they even had this the the hosiery 
that accommodated yes. the darker skin color, the skin tones. Good. And so it worked out, you know, it worked out that, that this, you know, that they were able to do that. But I see now Band-Aid is, you know, yeah. going back yeah. to, because they said years ago they had the Band-Aids, you know. So. Here's the thing, though. The space that what we have to do, what we must do, and you know this because we come from a certain area that, you know, we, we, we think outside of the box, is to that space and opportunity to, to create a new business. Right. Now, it may not be enough mm-hmm. money in that because there's not enough ballerinas of brown skin to purchase these items. I don't know. I right. don't know. But there's, um, for example, Band-Aids. That's a brand name. Right. There's also this, this um, there's called Brownages. Have you heard of them? No. No, I haven't. They're, yes, a black-owned company, and they're called Brownages. Mm. So when we, when we face things like that, which we'll face, which we have faced since the foundation of this country, America, right? it's like we, we either get emotional about it and hurt because it hurts, or we take that pain and we turn it into something that we can make a profit off of or right. or we can teach like we can turn it into a positive because right. brown just did that all right so let's take a break and when we return let's talk about spike lee and do the right thing check out drums for life at drumsforlife.org hands-on healing. In 1989, Spike Lee released one of his most profound movies, and it received um, three NAACP awards and two Academy Award nominations. The movie was Do the Right Thing. This film deals with race and the tension that comes from environmental microaggressions with an Italian pizzeria and a Korean grocery as two businesses that are established in this Brooklyn neighborhood. In this scene, pizza shop owner Sal, played by Danny Aiello, is challenged by Bugging Out, played by Giancarlo Esposito, about not having any representation of African Americans on the wall. Bugging Out sits alone at a booth and is about to take a bite into his pizza when his eyes dart to various black and white pictures on the wall beside him. He sees Babe Ruth, Frank Sinatra, and other white faces in frames on the wall. And then, it's like he's realizing something for the very first time. Yo, Mook! Okay. Mookie! So you what? How come you got no brothers up on the wall? Man, ask Sal, right? Hey, hey, Sal, how come you got no brothers up on the wall here? You want brothers on the wall? Get your own place. You can do what you want to do. You can put your brothers and uncles and nieces and nephews, your stepfather, stepmother, whoever you want. See? But this is my pizzeria. American Italians on the wall only. Take it easy, man. Huh? And you, hey, don't stop me. Yeah, that might be fine, Sal, but uh, you, you own this. Rarely do I see any American Italians eating in here. All I see is black folks. So since we spend much money here, we do have some sex. You looking for trouble? Are you a troublemaker? Is that what you are? 
You making trouble? Yeah, I'm a troublemaker. I'm making trouble. You're a real ball breaker. Who's coming in here looking for trouble, huh? Suppose I busted your head. How would you? Uh, Mookie. Mookie, you want to get your friend out of here? What, are you going to kick me out now? Are you, you going to kick me out, huh? No, I'm not kicking you out. You're kicking yourself out. What? Look, we got some brothers up on the wall, you Let's know? Go. Malcolm X, Nelson Mandela, you know, you're Michael Jordan. Perfect. So, um, I just learned that that, and I just learned this from my reading recently, that um, that that is considered an environmental microaggression, and an environmental microaggression has to do with the environment that we that we could that we the spaces that we're in, and it's like racial assaults and insults and invalidations you know which are manifested in these environmental levels these different environments that we're in you know like should you know should he have representation of the people who patronize his establishment on the wall that's a question i always ask my students and they're 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 conflicted with that what kind of responses do you get well i'm sure it's varied yeah it is they're conflicted because some of them say well it's his place he can do whatever he wants and then mm-hmm. the other side say, well, who's paying for him to even continue to have that space? I mean, if they're the ones who are going in and spending all the money there. Right, right because, I mean, I understand him having pride in his heritage as an Italian-American. Mm-hmm. But he specifically is located in a black neighborhood. It wouldn't have hurt for that pizzeria even though it's not real but it's you know it's it's an example of real life to have you know black famous people on the wall Mm -hmm. he didn't ask him to take down right or deny his italian heritage Mm -hmm. he just said put some black people on the wall Mm. but there but there's a way there's a way there's a way to say everything yeah so if that case if that scenario was real life the guy could have said it a better way. Sal could have responded a better way. But then that's a whole different... I mean, That's, that's a whole different movie. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, 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 I mean, was, his you know, name is but, Bugging Out. So you knew yeah, the way this was going to go. But, but the, the thing is, Bugging Out is a real mm. thing now. Yeah. I'm, from, I'm from New York, too. Mm-hmm. Bugging Out is a real thing. Yeah. Like, people have these things. Like And again, microaggressions, that's why I asked you earlier, at what point... Do microaggressions become macro? Mm. Because if you're facing it at every point, everywhere right. you turn. Right. So bugging out is just like tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, think <laughs> about. Tired. Yeah, I think about like, you know, our schools. You know, if you walk into a school building and you see all these posters up on the wall, you know, we have different yes. posters that say like yes. read, think and write. But all these pictures of people in libraries right. and stuff, and you're looking at all these poster representations, all the and, time. and there's there's no reflection of you in that. Right. Um, right. Which I think things are starting to look a little different with posters and things like that. And the sad thing aware. is, it's 2020, though. I know it's 2020, and we, we're using the words. You're right. Yeah. But you're using the word starting. Yeah. This particular year. 2020 right. particularly mm-hmm. has seen some changes that should have been done. Yeah. It took all of this. Mm-hmm. My goodness. But yeah. Yeah. 
right? It's, it's very much a challenge. I don't know the answers, though. <laughs> I know. I don't think I don't think any of us know the real answers to any of it. But you know, it's it's one of those things that gives you something to think about. You know, and 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 at least we've unpacked a little bit of that. You know, just just you know, and then you know, you have to finish unpacking your bag yourself, and you know how that is. Sometimes you sit with that bag, you've gone on a trip, and that bag sit over there for a while before you get it completely unpacked. So, you know, um, but Tracy, I really appreciate you, and I thank you so much for joining. I thank you for inviting me conversation today, and I definitely look forward to having more conversations with you as we continue to unpack. In the future. All right. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Have a good one. Thanks. Check out Franchone.com or on IG at I am Franchone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unpacking Music from an Open Source and at Nile Waves. Editing by me. Like this podcast, make it your favorite. Subscribe, Unpacking with I Am Franchone, giving you something to think about. And locate me on podcast platforms everywhere.